4: I'm off my game today.
5: No, you're not. That's true.
3: People are going to have to start making better content.
5: I think we're going to be talking about this for a long time. When you program for everyone, you program for no one. I think it's that we're a purpose-driven platform. Like, we're trying to get to substance. How was that? Are you happy with that? Yeah. This is marketing therapy right now. It it (laughs)
3: really is. Yeah. What's up? I'm Laura Carenti, And I'm Alexa Christen. Welcome back to Adlandia, episode 10. A full 10. A full 10. And because we're on episode 10, and because we have such a killer guest today, we are actually going to do our In the Feed with our friend Jared Dicker, who is the head of innovation and research and development at The Washington Post.
5: Just about everything. He wears many hats. Mm -hmm. And coming off a cam, we just have so much to talk about. Jared and I spent quite a bit of time floating around... um, the French Riviera, so to speak, kind of chatting about the future of the business. And we thought, hey, let's bring them in. Let's and- bring
3: them in and have a conversation. And then like also talk about what's the value of Cannes. There are people, big contingent, who didn't go to Cannes. I didn't go to Cannes. Lots of agencies. You I know, lots of agencies you. actually. It was said,
5: like you were there. I was walking with you. And we were talking. Oh, yeah, that was, yeah, I forgot about <laughs> that. It's like three hour. in the morning <laughs>
3: in, in Cannes. But, you know, the big question of are these award shows, um, should they live, continue to live on? people being participants, what does that look like? Who are the participants that should be there? And then I love something that I think you're going to get into, which is how do we get CAN to have a bigger impact in the industry, but also how do you start democratizing it? So, so we'll, we'll be, hear that.
5: Yeah, we'll be right back with Jared Dicker from The Washington Post. BP added more than $70 billion
0: to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Archaea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B.
2: That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic.
6: Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great tasting, all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com.
4: Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge.
5: What's up, Atlantia? We're back with the one and only... Jared Dicker. Jared Dicker.
3: Who is currently at The Washington Post, a good friend of ours. So we were just talking about this. You have you know, your standard title, but what do you really do at The Washington Post? Because it's much more than your title says.
7: Yeah. So many, many hats, which is a horrible...
3: <laughs> analogy.
7: Analogy to say. But the fun part of my job at The Washington Post is that I found our R&D group, Red, which basically allows me to... Focus on engineering and building new technologies that we could then sell commercially in the space, agencies, clients, partners. And we basically treat the Washington Post like a playground to see what works consumer and commercial side. Um, other than that, oversee all business, product, engineering, operations, strategy.
3: And you're like the man about town, really.
7: I like to have a good time. That's for <laughs> sure.
3: Jared and I are just back from Cannes. I know. We
5: missed you. I know. I was the one that didn't go.
3: There's definitely... so many people who didn't go this year. It was very interesting. Did you guys feel that when you were at Cannes?
5: It was definitely lighter this year. I only know that because there were no lines at the yachts.
7: Yeah, I feel like people, before <laughs> they go to Cannes, book their calendars, show their bosses, buy their tickets. And then as soon as they land, they cancel every single
2: meeting.
3: So outside of, so it was, it was lighter this year. What were, if you had like two things to take away from Cannes, what, what would you say those two big things? And different things than they have been in the past, because I've heard a lot from a lot of folks who have said it was actually different this year.
7: Yeah, I mean, I would say I feel like Can is a place where people identify issues but cannot solve them or don't have a lot of positioning or power to solve. Someone said to me that, you know, publishers go out there to meet with agencies and a lot of, like, publisher... Where the clients there, oftentimes because of the ad technology companies that's, and so forth. Well, that's forth. totally changed. Yeah. yeah, so that's become interesting. But what's really interesting is they get the right people. They're having great conversations. I don't know what comes out of it. I think you hear a lot of.
3: You mean like all the panels, great conversations, great panels, great you know, great right. people. Well, one good of the we've talked
5: on this show, and Jar and I were talking about it out there, and I think this speaks to what you're saying in terms of solving is like, do we need to turn Canon to like the G8 of media and marketing and like actually have people come coming away out with, with outcomes. Like, nobody was really, in my opinion, pushing the envelope in terms of, holy shit, that was a real provocative conversation. And that's going to change the way we think about this industry moving forward.
3: What did, what do you think about um, Joe Marchese's announcement that they're going to start making like six second ads?
7: Yeah. I think what's really special about Joe and he's a friend is that he's one of the few, ad chiefs at this point he wasn't always an ad chief now he's an ad chief accidental ad chief um, that can make things happen so he often says you know your attention is the number one commodity and we all recognize that but it's very hard to convince every single layer of Advertising and media to get on board with that and to oversee something like Fox and make those announcements and also oversee a company like Truex that builds the actual ad products. He has the power to help instill these things. So
5: it's interesting because that's what's happened with New York Times. I mean, obviously, you know, Meredith was just on the show and um, since then has been promoted to COO. And some of the conversations that we were having out in Cannes were around the fact that for the first time, you're starting to see product and marketing sitting in the same department, so to speak, starting to get tighter. There wasn't like a data conversation happening over here. More people were saying like, okay, now how do we make this applicable to creative? Did you catch that while you were there or?
7: Yes. So I've tried to make my career out of that because everyone always hated working on advertising or the commercial side of the business. But I really believe that this silo mentality of really breaking up your organization to focus on consumer and commercial and so forth is, is old, you know, yeah. it really doesn't help you move forward where where if you have this no silo, everyone wants to grow audiences, right? For the posts, it's about growing audiences, for the times, it's about growing audiences, subscriptions. Every single person in that organization should be working towards that. Like yeah. creative and data are the two components of advertising, and everyone's full of shit if they say that they've been marrying them together and that native advertising does that and so no. forth. Like like it's very bullshit in that sense. So to that point, I agree. I think I think you really have to convince everyone on board from the newsroom to the engineer Years to sales, like this is our mission. Yeah. This is how we'll get there. If we all do it correctly, we'll all benefit.
3: So here's my qu- last question on Can. There were a ton of agencies and ton of executives talking about how they're backing out of award shows. That the award shows are not the shouldn't be the focus anymore, and that they're focusing on talent and they're focusing on real creative. What do you guys think about that? Like, do you think that can is worth it anymore? Do you think from an award show standpoint, like, are they actually finding um, and mining the best kind of creative and talent and putting it up as an industry standard?
7: Yeah, well, it's hard. I think with can um, the categories and the nominees are so broad that you have companies like Washington Post competing with Google VR for... Well,
3: welcome to the world. <laughs> right, right. Right,
7: <laughs> right but... But, like that's where I think you see like, is it worth it or not, right? And with this sort of investment, I think I think there is something about can. It exists for a reason. Um, all of the top creative lists and things that come out a week later, you know the notoriety and things of that are great. I think I think there needs to be some sort of focus. Like what I saw is that there's there's the media side of can and then there's you know, the ad side of can.
5: I have two questions to the industry. One, what is the value of a can lion? I That's want right. to know how we're equating that in the industry, because in pitch decks and in when you're out, obviously um, going after clients, it's wonderful to say, I've won a can line. But in the world of marketing and the fragmentation that exists currently, and the idea that creativity is pervasive through literally everything, everything what is the value of a can be. line? That is that is a honest question I'd love to solve. Question number two, or rather a statement, and you being there, Jared, I mean, feel free to weigh in. Every year we're constantly asking ourselves as an industry are what are the standards when we come to can we get to see presumably the best of what the industry has to offer as a gold standard in work yet we're not applying this to what the standards are to different
3: standards to to like the scalable to to scalable standards right right? so iab is all about scalable standards right
5: does this give us an opportunity to do one of two things either suggest that this is the way in which those standards can be applied or does it give us an opportunity to say, actually, IAB, this is why this guideline is broken. So
7: that I think is very true. The other thing I'd say is that as we try to differentiate ourselves and, and as marketers have to make tougher decisions on who to work with and narrow that scope, a can line is kind of like the end of the road of your creative process. Like you did this it's launched it's live and now it's over so like okay we could draw inspiration from this but i can't leverage this technology i can't leverage this idea it's already been done so a huge that's
5: thing a, that's an interesting point yeah that's and like a big thing
7: and like a big thing that i push internally is like don't buy with us or don't buy our tech that has like an expiration date or a shelf life, like work with us because you could take this, we could do something and then we could evolve it. So I think with award shows to go all the way back to like the beginning of the conversation, um, it's kind of like an end road. Like here it is. Here was the best of last year. So what's next year? And maybe cans positioning just has to be like, okay, this is where we're going. Yeah, Yeah. And let's start to like acknowledge the companies that are helping us push in that sort of way.
3: I love mm-hmm. that the idea of GA. Yeah, that's a great. Like that's some a, sort that's of great... like,
7: and like so. There's a tech conference called SourceCon that's out of Portland from the Mozilla teams, and basically, if you go and present, you have to actually bring something that's hands-on, and whoever goes and attends your thing or or session or workshop, um, you actually have an end goal to build something at the end. So maybe can is some applicable component where. People come and present ideas, and you kind of hackathon through these things. So then you leave, and CAN could get excited about something like that because they could say, Well, this was built at CAN.
5: So this is, I was just, you brought me back to a point that I wanted to make is that I feel that CAN actually needs to find a way to become democratized. It is so exclusive. It is so expensive. Um, exactly. It is very limited in terms of what pass you need to have to get into the Pelé to see the work, um, when actually that work should be shown Everywhere. off to the world so that the you know media planner who is just getting started but might be the most creative kid sitting in, you know, insert holding company X, has the opportunity to be inspired by the simplicity of what I saw in the Pelé this year. And So, so I
3: love this conversation, and yeah. we're going to take it to... The Washington Post and what you're doing at the Washington Post because you've done in the what last two years mm-hmm. pretty much.
6: Yep.
3: Washington Post has gotten a ton of notoriety and awards, right? Around um, new advertising technology and new models. How have you balanced creativity and the tech side at mm-hmm. the Washington Post?
7: Yeah. So um one, our founder's Jeff Bezos, which I don't think we say enough. <laughs> Well,
3: I think people can we stop there? Sorry. So people and we were just talking about this earlier, too. Like people get confused sometimes. They're like, oh, the Washington Post is owned by Amazon. No, the Washington Post is owned by Jeff Bezos. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's a big difference there.
7: Huge difference. And the inspiration that we get through Jeff and his time that he dedicates to the post um, is amazing because it's very particular. It's not how can we work with Amazon? It's not distracted with his other holding companies, you know, one of which is soon to be Whole Foods. Right. right. So um, but we get actual attention, you know, when it comes to what's going to best benefit journalism and how we could grow our brand and how we could be noticed in this, um, you know, very congested marketplace. So. We balance creativity and tech in in a variety of ways. I think you mentioned earlier the operational side of things, getting engineers in the newsroom. I mean, when I was at HuffPost, we did that. Our CTO did sit next to our editor-in-chief. But on the advertising side, we did not have engineers on the sales floor. You know, we did Man. not have engineers within marketing. And here we do. And I think that's very crucial when it comes to being creative from a tech perspective and not just being task-oriented of saying, hey, build this. This didn't work and so forth, you know. Um, we pushed this big idea and Paul Berry, you know, who we're very Rebel Mouse. much close with from and HuffPo
3: Re- and, Rebel right. Mouse,
7: HuffPost days and an amazing uh, collaborator always said, like, the journey should always start once you press publish. And that's how we bring creativity and tech to everything that we do at the post as well. Like, don't prepare for something. Let it go live, whether that's content, whether that's advertising, whether it's uh, branded content and so forth. Have technology and mechanisms that help that content fly, especially with all the data and understanding of what we have now. How can we structurally make this easier? And what I think is key, especially when it comes to the newsroom, is editors and writers and journalists should never change their strategy, right? What they've been doing for the past hundred years works Yeah, from a tech perspective is extremely important, and we don't want to change that. How can we build technologies that allow them to make their job easier and also allow their content to fly farther?
5: I'm going to go left for a second because I know we want to get really deep into the tech and, and the products that you're creating. But there's an elephant in the room that I am so curious to get your perspective on. And that's in someone who sits in the far corner of The Washington Post working on all of this great tech and, and development. People in the marketplace in my opinion, a vast majority still have the perception that the Washington Post is a bureau for D.C. Mm -hmm. And its content is focused on the Beltway. And granted, this past election cycle has um, done wonders, I know. But how is somebody who sits in the innovation arm of a company who from the other side of the table can be perceived as Washingtonian, Mm -hmm. Battle with that internally to say, hey, we need to spin this on our head. We need to get our tech and innovation at the forefront of industry conversations um, at the right balance with what's happening in the newsroom to change perceptions about what it is we're doing here.
7: Yeah, yeah. So... Um I say this often, but it takes like 99% of your company to really believe in something for it to actually happen. Mm-hmm. So in the sense of the Washington Post, when I was at the Huffington Post, I never looked at the Washington Post as a competitor, to be completely frank. Like yeah. in terms of the journalism, for sure. I mean, there are many, 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 many pollsters ahead, but we were a tech company that also did media at the Huffington Post. Right. We were blowing everyone away at that time. Yeah. And I think what happened, and of course, the Jeff um, acquisition or, or the buy of the Washington Post allowed them to say, OK, we don't need to be extremely conservative with our risks anymore, we could actually all move forward. And, and he's
3: promoting that.
7: And the Post and our leadership and that decision has really allowed us to grow. You know, 7% of our U.S. audience is in the D.C. area. So like 93% is outside. Our largest audience is in California.
3: I was going to say, everyone reads the Washington Post now, especially post-election. Right. Right? Like everyone. And then like you have all these other news organizations that are referring people to the Washington Post, one of which I love when we've talked about News & Guts with Dan, Dan yes. Rathers oh News & Oh my and God, guts, amazing. Right? Yes, yes. So I have a question, though. It pisses me off when I go on to the post dot com and I go on to newyorktimes.com, dot com. I am looking at newspapers digitized. Mm-hmm. Why do they look the same? Dun, dun, Why? So
7: I think there's a long standing conversation about aggregation versus personalization, right? Like having editors decide yeah. what's on the homepage and so forth. Now I'm not an editor, so I don't want to speak for it, and um. I only want to manage what I can control. Now, that being said, we had that conversation and I agree. And I think when you think about how much data we have on I users, think
3: Emilio versus- uh, Garcia Ruiz mm-hmm. would. Actually, say you know what I agree. Yeah, why does it look the same? I'm putting words in his mouth. No, but- totally.
7: So we, so we, um, we actually did this on the branded content side to test things. Like, what's really cool at the post is that because we have a commercial tech arm, we can actually test these things with our advertisers who, like you, are willing to do new, different things. We want.
3: We want actually to, come right? in saying, right, Let's and do then
7: and. And then we're able to test that, see if it works. And then we could actually bring it to the core team and say, hey, is this interesting for you? Like, we launched a product called Postcards because of that mentality of saying, why should we deliver content the same exact way that we delivered it 50 years ago, right? Through print. And if we have all this data that Laura consumes video and I consume image or long form and so forth, why don't we deliver that content type to the user directly where they are? Wherever they are.
5: So, can we go into your sandbox for a second? Because yep. I'm, I'm really curious get to into know. Your sandbox. Um, I have two questions. One, what's the product tech that you're most excited about right now? One. And number two, do you see what the Red Group is doing as a potential way for the Washington Post to diversify revenue? Because in this day and age, and one of the things that I saw that was very pervasive in Cannes, is media companies and agencies are coming together to figure out new ways to collaborate that don't necessarily include ad buys. But Um, still monetizing. But Mm -hmm. monetizable. Yes.
7: Yeah. I mean, it's actually interesting. I've had conversations with multiple brands lately where I realized that they brought me in and don't want to be pitched. They just want to learn what we've done. And I don't how know to apply. who
5: you're talking about, <laughs>
7: <laughs> but like I'm like wow, we have a whole new like consultation revenue model when it comes to 100
3: percent partnerships,
7: yeah. right? So so yes, I mean the Red Group was built to um, differentiate the post when we launched it. We announced a Nad Week or Nad Age two years ago when I joined. It was just myself, you know. Now <laughs> now it's an actual team of ten engineers and product leads that are building these things, understanding what's happening in the marketplace. I think a great Bezosism that helps. Uh,
5: I want the book of basics. The innovation.
7: I think Joey (laughs) Joey Marburger has a deck of them. I'll send (laughs) you. But but um but like one big one is like what can we do that can't be done elsewhere. Like everyone when they focus on innovation is like what are we sucky at and how do we get better at that? Where it's like well, actually, what are we really good at? And how do we we double down and get better there, right? Like, forget about what we're not good at. We'll never be Mm -hmm. Facebook, right? We'll never be Twitter. We'll never be like all these companies. But we are the post, right? right? And we are a tech company now as well as a media company. And how can we get better there? So the investment you've seen in the red group is clearly aligned with the revenue that we've seen from that. And it's twofold. It's like, what? is being done that could be better. When everyone said the banner is dead, I said, like, fuck it, the banner's not dead. But, like, we can make the banner somewhat better and understand that you're advertising with the post because you want to be on the post and our users are on the post because they want to read the post. So let's take all the hard work that you're doing in display and video and make it more applicable to our consumers. And that's through tech. So we'll build technologies that allow you to do that, put no pressure on your side, that you could go back to the CMO and say, hey, look, this is our creative that we've done, but we leverage this post technology to make it more applicable to users. And that yeah. doesn't
5: necessarily require a media buy to have access.
7: No, I, I mean, I often say, too, is like, if you want to leverage the technology, we have a SaaS model, right? So like, totally. if you don't want to run on the Washington Post, I'd love you to, but... We're here to help you build better branding to leverage better technology. And if you prefer to run programmatically or you prefer to run on site. O- but that's and o- where I
5: think that the industry has to pivot. And this is Alexa. Has, and I talk yeah. about this all the time. Like the ad model and the Washington Post.com revenue stream to me and Alexa is one avenue now within the post media company that presents opportunities for brands. Well, you just talked about access to your engineers, your SaaS model, all of these sorts of things, actually for brands who want to develop content on their own O&O, as you just said, brands who are looking for ways to diversify with their own clients and business uh, partners. These are things that they need access to because presumably maybe they don't want to develop an in-house engineering team to do that.
3: So, I mean, you're selling and white labeling, yeah, right? Yeah,
5: right.
7: And the argument, Lord, your point of view is like, if everyone's about platforms, right? And if our consumers are gonna consume our content on Snapchat, uh, Facebook, Google, whatever the next big thing is, then like we're not selling on our audience in five to ten years. So That's like right. what's gonna differentiate us, right? That's right? And and if you could buy Wash post content through Facebook cheaper, right, or through Google and so forth cheaper than like what is going to be our value play? And so right. us, it's we're going to build technologies. We're not going to leverage the same third party technologies that all our partners are leveraging, but calling different names like we're actually going to build some proprietary shit that's never been done before and then go out to market and be a game changer. I
3: think we should go a little deeper here because for folks listening, I'm not sure it totally comes through. What does this mean? It means that The Washington Post starts becoming like an agnostic tech platform that you could sell.
7: Yeah, so period. Right. And a Full lot stop. of and a lot of um a lot of critics will say well that'll distract from the core mission. Like like we are 100% a journalism media company. We always will be. The benefit of what we've done again structurally which is like the key Topic here is like operations and structure is that we built separate teams. So Arc Publishing, you know, under Shilash Prakash, our CTO love is a complete different team, right? That focuses on building technologies that we white label, that we are currently white labeling to trunk to Globe and Mail to Infobuy. And the red group, those technologies go into that as well so that they could be set up and white labeled. But right. that does not distract our core mission. So I think... What no, you- it
3: probably helps your core mission, right? right? Because you're also using Evalidator. those as like... Well,
5: and you're using those as like test labs. Right. I think it's interesting, right? Because... If you can validate to Alexa what Alexa is saying, your use cases in all of these different ways, when you can you just keep come going. to me and say that, you know, actually the same technology that's powering your experience on the Washington Post is also powering what happens on the Daily Mail, that's immediate validation mm-hmm. to me as a buyer to say, hey, not only can I solve for my media amplification needs here, but if I'm a company that needs to create a quick ad tech product mm-hmm. for something that has nothing to do with the Washington Post... Who am I coming to? A third party or somebody right, right. who's powering an entire newsroom right. with it? And
3: I wonder also then if it, and this is, you're going to be like eye roll when I say this, but AWS, Amazon, right? Web Services has become the platform, right? For cloud. For pretty much everyone, one
7: hundred percent, like yeah. pretty
3: much everyone. Yeah, it, I don't it's see the why modern day railroad. So why couldn't the post be that from a publishing standpoint? And I mean, publishing for brands, publishing for of publishers, course, blah, blah blah blah. Right. All of a sudden, it becomes something that is much much bigger.
7: I think the strength of what we're doing at the post again, like saying how I've done this in the past and what we're doing here is that the power of the post is key. Can right.
3: You, can you just say that that's the vision? <laughs> no comment.
7: <laughs> um. But that's um that's what it's very interesting. It's that's what injured. makes me most excited, right, about being here is like um the fact that the power of the post in selling our technologies is such a secret sauce when it comes to our differentiator in the marketplace. And I work on ad tech. I hate when people are like, he leads ad tech. Know, it like we makes me want to throw that. up in my mouth. <laughs> because because that's the word love you. the word is like so dirty now, right? It's like yes. fraud viewability <laughs> yeah. blocking it's like i don't want to be anywhere near that right yeah. like i like to be like out in the sunlight right martech right martech <laughs> but i think a lot of that is because like those things have gotten so bad because publishers who care about users and consumers never invest in building those things right. so it's always been these outside technologies coming in and solving our problems and
3: and they have and, no idea what the problem oh is oh my god and sticking
7: the straw in our milkshake and and like taking money and we realized Wait, if we just like all of these companies were built in a garage by two people, like, right. is that all we need? Two people to like <laughs> right. build in a these technologies. That's a, a Podcast spin-off. Yeah. Right, right. But to like build these technologies, and then all of a sudden, we're not just saving money on third parties, but we're actually different in the marketplace. Right. So, yes, I mean, that's the vision. We're actually doing it. So you
3: just said that is the vision.
7: What, what? <laughs> That's my vision on the commercial side. But but what I think is what I think is the coolest is that it's no bullshit, right? Like everyone yeah, no talks bullshit.
6: about this. I agree. We have
7: Post Pulse, reengage flex FlexPlay, Zeus, In Context. See, that um, we'll just upload sounds, a I'm glossary. Sorry, just, just, to, yeah, just, to, to
3: me, though, when you start talking about, I know we have to name things because they become identifiers. But the minute we start doing this, because everyone, though, has a version of a name, right? And so then you get in the marketplace as a as a media or marketing person, you're like, well, What's different from the Washington Post, Zeus, and Vox's blah, so right? Po- yeah. Because Jim Bankoff talks about his what is it, chorus, chorus, chorus? and concert, Co- yeah. chorus and concert, or what? Like we're going this, from the th- gods to the th- symphony th- halls.
5: <laughs> but what's interesting? But I think, and Alexa, and I always say this: it's like lead with the idea that you are a tech-focused media company that is developing and building proprietary technology where the others as we all know and this is where i think the washington post stands to go after it aggressively are white labeling and outsourcing yeah Mm -hmm. that
3: and like i'm a back to your earlier point talking about that conference out in oregon i am a believe it when i see it when i see that you have the ability to go there when i actually see that i could and one thing that i love about you specifically is that You've never been a tech person. So when Laura and I went to years ago to build out a new media product, you were like, this is totally different. This is totally new. You are so creative that you're able to take the technology and
5: actually flip it 90 degrees to create something that's totally different. And we were two girls and a guy in a garage on that project. (laughs) But what's interesting, and I think would you hit on it and forget all the other jargon that I just said earlier, but like the idea of homegrown proprietary tech. And there are very few I can name on one hand who can actually go out in the marketplace right now, leading media companies, and say, we've developed everything from scratch.
7: Mm-hmm. No, totally. And um, it, look, it's very risky for media companies to do that because, again, that distraction factor is key. But – We made that choice. That's what attracted me to come here. I mean, to be honest, like I like building technologies. I like being creative with those technologies. So as much as I love everything that's happening at the post, the investment in that was very real to your point. Like the fact that we actually build products and could show them and they're tangible and And other publishers are coming to you to buy them and they're coming up by them. And like what I hate about R and D and Bezos said this very early on when we presented the red team to him is like focus on the d right like develop yeah, yeah. those products Make like it real. right like so many people in r&d focus on the research like yeah, yeah. oh here's what's happening and and the web is fast but we're slow so we need to be faster
5: and then it's like
3: shrug. and then 3 years later right right i but, like, like that <laughs>
5: focus on the d definitely the name of this episode uh, yeah like how do we it's like straight off bravo
3: <laughs> can't like, i,
1: also, <laughs> can't like I
5: also like put a straw in your milkshake
3: yeah, yeah. well,
1: oh, that well was a so good you didn't one.
5: answer my other question what is the MarTech or marketing tech that you are most excited about right
1: now? Yeah,
7: so a lot of the marketing tech that we're building that I'm most... So, again, I kind of got into it earlier. Like, how do we make everyone's life easier? Like, sympathizing with the client-agency relationship. But also, like, what's new shit that's never been done before? So, like, yeah. while Zeus, while the name... And, and mind you, I wanted to name it Thor, but it made no sense.
3: I'm Greek. I have no problem with it. So, this. like, Zeus was faster. But, like, what I, I love about
7: you know. Zeus is, like... <laughs> When we came out and said we were the fastest mobile website, everyone said, well, advertising technology is gonna slow it down. And I even had conversations with Google. Um, and like it wasn't anything on their end that was an issue, but they couldn't take responsibility for how other third party integrations like sure. worked and so no one had to solve. So basically the whole idea was like, Okay, your content could be fast, but ads are gonna be slow. Until we came in and said, Let's blow this shit up, right? And let's pretend that we could like redo how everything works while not getting rid of technologies, but keeping existing technologies and can it be faster? And three weeks of work allowed us to be 80% faster.
3: So that gets cool when you start talking about on-demand content, right? And some of the things you guys are doing in the audio space and and you're doing it separately. Let's just be clear with an Amazon and uh, the Alexa, the Echo, Mm -hmm. right? Yes, yes. But talk talk about um, like audio articles and things like that that you're doing.
7: Yeah. So again, going back to that uh, educational versus operational approach, uh, we just leveraged poly on some of our articles we're doing testing right now, which is an poly. Amazon What's poly? got it. So Amazon uh, has a technology called poly, which mm. basically could take content, read it and then give you audio of those articles. So mm-hmm. so what we realized at the post, again, is like people are everywhere. Mm-hmm. To your point, they consume content differently. Some people like video. People are obsessed with audio. You're on the subway. You want to download a podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, we're on a podcast right now, right? So like there's all these different mediums. So so we're actually leveraging audio technology on our site for our articles in a test, basically meaning some articles, when you go to them, you could click to play mm-hmm. and it'll read the article to you. Mm-hmm. So think about you're in the shower. I mean, like barely have time in the morning, right? You're walking dogs. I was thinking about it this morning. I was trying to
3: read the Obama Russia article that came out like three oh, days yes, ago. That yes, was so yes. killer, but yes. it's so long, and I was had like a million other things to do. and I'm literally running out of my even house. Finish
5: my text messages I'm like,
3: these
7: days. Right, <laughs> it's true.
3: Like I'm running out of my house, and I'm thinking, all I want to say is Washington Post. Read it to me. Mm-hmm. Why can I do that?
7: Yeah. So Polly is that? So Polly's the. Well, I don't want to go to like.
3: WashingtonPost.com. I just want to be able to say Washington Post. Read it to me
7: on your phone. Yep. Yeah. We have to call Apple. <laughs> but like on Alexa, probably. But yes, I mean those are the investments, right? That we're looking to do. Like, no, to your point earlier, the way that content is delivered to you is very similar to the way it was delivered to you 50 years ago. I mean,
3: Can I just go back? Sorry, Apple News should be all over that, and this should be a feature that they they offer publishers. Yeah. Why wouldn't they do that
7: now? right <laughs> we know Apple. those guys let's call them after this a lot of that so like to go really underneath the covers like Please. it's not easy for platforms no, to it's not. broker these relationships with the publishers like no. the post is the easiest i would argue because we love taking risks and we love testing like the idea is like we'll test anything like of course if it's going to damage our reputation or our company we would never but like I mean,
3: you'll test anything that you have like a clear value prop for right you're like okay this could be valuable right and but and so Z. many
7: publishers are like again going back to that operational thing it's like well how much money is it going to make me tomorrow and is this worth it and should we take the time so you think about apple news when they first came out um they were saying hey look your sales team could sell the ads yeah, that's and, right that's and right. like do all these things but it's like so now i have to teach my sales team something new the ad sizes. At that point, we're different. It's too confusing. And then publishers give up. So I think for Apple, a lot of it is not just, hey, let's build audio technology to read articles. It's how do we convince these publishers that it's worth their time to ingest it and that they're going to actually see value in dollars? That's like a no brainer. That's like
3: Like,
5: a no brainer to me. Well, it sounds like a brand could put this together and propose it, no?
7: So that's how I want to go
5: do it. Let's go
6: do it. Yeah.
7: So, like, so, like, (laughs) my whole bread and butter is that it's like, I'd rather not wait for all of these rules and how a hundred people at the Washington post want to broker a relationship when we do it through the ad side, it's like, okay, there's dollars. We could do this. It could live anywhere. Here's the resources and let's build it. So like for me, and it's not bullshit. It's like a lot of the innovation I firmly believe that happens in media happens because of relationships with brands. 100% my And, and like clients. Wait, and it's I like, just want
3: to go back to that slow down. <laughs> Cam, <Can't> rewind. <laughs> Replay that.
7: A lot of the innovation I firmly believe that happens in media happens because of relationships with brands.
3: Because that is so true and no one ever says that yeah. yes
7: l- i mean let's drop the, l- the mic so
3: i have one quick question who is a brand that you are dying to work with and you haven't worked with yet
7: that i'm dying to work with and haven't worked with yeah. yet oh man that's tough um take your time all right i love <laughs> no it's fine i love <laughs> i feel like entertainment brands are so hard to work with mm. when it comes to, like, diving deep in being able to collaborate because everything, like, needs to be done in five days. Yeah. So, like, I remember at HuffPo when we used to do branded content early, like, in 2010, Um, which, by the way, we created branded content. Let's make sure we...
3: Oh, no, you want to put that, you want to put that in there and like,
7: yeah, but okay. anyway, on the record, <laughs> on the record, <laughs> all of that branded content, right? Was like supplied content because they had to create it so quickly. And I think the Sony's right. And those brands, like while we work with them, it's never like fully immersive because we don't have the time, right? Given to us because a movie is launching and they need to get it out there and they have the assets to do so. So for me, what I think would be really fun is like in the entertainment category, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to publishers and the tech that we're building and what we could really see there, Yeah. That that would
5: be an exciting one for us. So so we gonna flip let's bring into him, our, let's bring we, him into our yeah. sandbox. Well, so an all new kill by DIY
3: kill by DIY. You've done this before. Yeah, I forgot what it? I said. So it's what would you kill? Well, don't say it again. <laughs> what would you kill? What would you buy? And what would you do yourself?
7: Oh yes, remember? I remember this. I remember it this. Be anything. So like ideally, I would kill all reliance on outside technology. I mean, we've made a key investment in building these things at Rebel Mouse. Everywhere else, I'm like, I love. My friends that work at those companies, but they know that I'm the hardest person to work with when it comes to that because if they come that in That must and... be
5: why we get along with I know. If, like
7: <laughs> they come in and present to me, it's like they better be careful because if it looks too good, I'm gonna copy it, right? So like so like that's how <laughs> it So, so you
3: wanna make everyone a technologist. Yes. Okay. Check.
7: All right. What I would <laughs> buy is Gawker.
3: Oh, Yes, we talked about that last night. Right, time. and and, and I like I still yes. believe it.
7: And I watch Nobody Speaks on Netflix. Have you watched it? I haven't it yet? watched it yet. I oh want to watch my it God. so badly. It's, it's amazing, and it just really shows you like that fine line and what Gawker was able to do, and how they were literally like undercut and attacked, and yeah. and what basically happened. But the value of that brand. I mean, even Huge. for me as a New Yorker, when Gawker was like the New York yeah New Yorker, to like yeah. to like becoming you know this massive. Yeah. Scaled operation to also how they I mean they were they the were, first to e commerce right yeah. it was like Gizmodo and Wirecutter and they were right?
5: inventing a, a tremendous tech stack in their last tremendous yeah. tremendous few weeks yeah days, I mean they're
7: months. still doing Kinja I mean yeah. Kinja is their yeah. tech stack and it's amazing so yeah. like I would one hundred percent buy them
5: um, so you'd buy you'd buy Gawker.
7: Right, I buy Gawker, and then... Um, do it yourself. What he does you everything do your- himself. I know. That's yeah, part. it's like-, kinda like...
3: That was kind of your, your first one, instead of kill, is kind of your DIY.
7: I think something... Build everything. So, like, something that's interesting for DIY, I think you see brands, publishers, taking different approaches, where they're, like, buying things to help be relevant in the space. And I think that's key. I mean, I think the New York Times buying Wirecutter was genius because it's very hard for the New York Times to build their own e-commerce value when that's not critical to their mission, but they just bought one of the bigger ones. So like for someone who does everything DIY, I'd say tread carefully with DIY because I think what you often find is that with DIY, whether like we could build tech because we had the investment, I wouldn't encourage every publisher to do it. While I think it's crucial for them to survive, to do it, to differentiate themselves, it may kill them in the process, right? So like-
5: It's presumably by- Bezos bought Whole Foods.
7: Yeah, I mean, those. that was... New, and the stock went up. And that never up. happens. Yeah, so, like, so like, I mean, everything Bezos does is absolutely um, amazing. And,
3: yeah, he hits
5: gold.
7: Yeah. <laughs> he and, hits
5: gold and, right uh, now.
7: Yeah. So I'll leave you with that.
5: So, so if the, people want to develop with you, where can they find you?
7: Uh, they can find me at jared.dicker at Watchbo. They can find me on LinkedIn. They can find me on Twitter. What's Jared your Twitter handle? Jared Dicker. I'm Jared Dicker across the board. If they want to see my twins.
3: I was just going to say, the Dicker dudes. If they want to Dicker. see my
7: twins and my dogs, they can follow Jared Dicker on Instagram. The Dicker dudes. The um, Dicker
5: dudes. Congratulations on the thank Dicker Thank you dudes. so much. They rock. Yes. They rock. So. Well, you rock. And thank you so much for coming by. We always love when you're here. It's always a we love whiplash of too. ideas and excitement. And uh, we appreciate everything that you do to make us better. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Jared Bye. Dicker, everyone.
3: Special thanks to Cameron Drews, our producer, Andy Bowers. Matt Dirk. This is our episode 10. So thanks for being big listeners, big fans, talking to us on Twitter, Facebook.
5: Instagram, at Adlandia Podcast.
3: Keep doing it. Great emails, great reviews. Really appreciate everyone who's listening and giving us a lot of feedback. We'll see you out there. We'll be back
5: in two weeks with an all-new Atlandia. Full disclosure, our opinions are our own.
4: Find great
0: brands like Monogram at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com slash build.
6: Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it.